This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Is anybody surprised that Kamala Harris isn't doing a great job fixing our border by being in Central America, that it's a debacle pretty much? Is this a shock to anyone? What has ever shown people who are who are fixed uh, or who are fixing their attention on results and ability? What has ever shown them uh, any inclination whatsoever of Kamala Harris to get the job done? To just be Harris and have people push her along and vote for her and, and elevate her. Yeah, sure, she can do that. But to actually get results that shows a skill set, that shows an ability beyond playing the system, this shouldn't be surprising at all, right? It's not surprising. We'll get more into this in a second. But, you know, we're living in a digital age where your personal data is always under attack and your online privacy seems seems to be a thing of the past. There's a better way you can protect your information and privacy without worrying about the prying eyes of big data. Introducing Secure, an encrypted instant messaging and secure email service hosted in Switzerland. Why Switzerland? It's where the world's strictest data privacy laws are applied by using proprietary technology and military grade encryption methods a proprietary platform and servers hosted in Switzerland, Secure protects your data from the Invasive Cloud Act and other privacy intrusive laws. These are secure email and instant messaging services never seen before in the market today, and they're away from big tech platforms such as Amazon Web Services, Facebook, WhatsApp, Microsoft, and Google. Take back your privacy and online security with Secure by going to secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R. Very important with the spelling here. S-E-K-U-R dot com. Use the coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. Be sure to use that coupon code BUCK. Just go to the website now, secure, S-E-K-U-R, secure.com, and regain your privacy. Again, why not go to the border as well so that you do see the full complexity? Listen, I can, I've been to the border before. I will go again. But when I'm in Guatemala <laughs> dealing with root causes, I think we should have a conversation about what's going on in Guatemala. What a disaster Kamala Harris is here. What a disaster. Everyone knows it. Everyone sees it. And they're being reminded of what was so apparent when she wanted to be the next president instead of vice president and appointed position. President of the United States with even Democrat voters. This isn't a Republican thing. Democrat voters were like, nah, I don't like her. Uh, seems seems very staged, very fake. Obviously so. And here she is acting like everybody else is crazy. She's the border czar who will not go to the U.S.-Mexico border, and she's laughing whenever she's, whenever she's challenged on this, it's pretty easy. Why not just say, you know what, I'll go to the border tomorrow. Stop asking me this question. I'll go to the border tomorrow. Because she won't go. She won't go because there will be a press corps that travels with her, and they will have to cover the disaster, and she will be photographed there. We all understand what's going on here. This is not actually that complicated. But she keeps making it worse because her answers are absurd. It's nonsensical. I mean, he, here she is telling everybody, 
with, with, with no trace of irony here, with, with zero self-awareness, Vice President Harris, who thinks she's soon to be President Harris, is out there telling people, I, listen to this, play two. I also believe that if you want to fix a problem, you have to go to where the problem exists. If you want to address the needs of a people, you must meet those people. You must spend time with those people because the only way we can actually fix the problem is to understand the problem. The problem is at our border. That's what she doesn't seem to understand. Maybe because she refuses to go. Here she's telling you, if you want to fix it, you have to go to where it is. Exactly, Kamala. And you refuse to do that. And then you lecture us as though you are doing that, which makes everyone think, is she just obtuse? Is there some kind of a a disconnect? It's as though she does not understand what is so obvious to everybody else. But she's upsetting pretty much all sides on this uh, border trip. I'm sorry on this immigration, Central America, talk about the U.S. border without going there trip. And some of them are upset that she's even willing to say what the Democrats have to pretend they believe, which is that people shouldn't come into the country illegally. Uh, so, I mean, here, here's, a, here's a left-wing media host on The View, the dumbest talk show on television, Play 7. But I was a little surprised at the, clum- the clumsiness of her language because she said, you know, don't come, don't come. And she was, I think, referring to illegal um, passage into the United States as opposed to seeking legal asylum, which is what um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is talking about. And of course, this country um, was founded on immigration, founded on people coming here legally and seeking asylum. But using those terms, so those words, don't come, don't come, I think is pretty inflammatory. And um, I think that's why she's getting so much pushback uh, because, of, because of those words. I mean, the Supreme Court just, just ruled this week that people that come here illegally and stay here for 20 years still can't apply for a green card because of the circumstances by which they came to this country. And so, of course, you shouldn't come here illegally. But our vice president could have done, I think, a better job in terms of her language. Language. Yeah, this is a legal analyst on The View, Sonny Hostin, who seems to not understand immigration law. She notes at the end that, yes, you cannot apply for for legal status in this country if you came here illegally even 20 years ago. We know a lot of people who didn't come 20 years ago. They came, you know, now a year ago, two months ago now. But the part that keeps getting left out and AOC and the other far left propagandists don't want you to pay any attention to is that the people showing up now at the border who are being apprehended, they are all breaking the law. They are doing what is the equivalent of trespassing on U.S. sovereign territory over an international border. They refuse to go through the ports of entry. They don't want to have to wait. So they just show up and they walk. They literally walk into America and say, here I am. Give me asylum. And they're not actually people that overwhelmingly are worthy of asylum. This is just the reality. I want to be an economic migrant. I want to have better opportunities for jobs is not an asylum claim. 
Lying to the Border Patrol, by the way, is also a crime. So people who say, I am fleeing political violence, when really they're actually looking for a better job or they want to live with other family members who are already in the U.S., are also breaking the law. This is lawlessness. And Democrats don't get to have it both ways. They don't get to have the state drag people you know, by the scruff of the neck out of church for failing to double mask like a bunch of morons. The fact that we have to do that, the fact they ever told us that, isn't it embarrassing? They should be ashamed of themselves. Fauci, that little fascist, the worst. But they want the state to drag you out for that because it's the law. It's really an executive order, but it's the law. And on this issue, though, all of a sudden immigration laws just don't count doesn't really matter anymore. And keep in mind, we have a de facto open border. We have coyotes, the cartels, making huge sums of money over this. It's a just an unsustainably lawless, reckless situation. And AOC, the radical left of the Democrat Party, which is increasingly calling all the shots, is out there complaining that the Biden policies aren't humane enough play five well i think the issue here and first of all you know i think this is not just about the vice president this is about the biden administration's immigration policy writ large is not working it's wrong and it's inhumane why what is inhumane about it if aoc wants every latin american or for that matter developing country all over the world migrants who just be able to come to america she should be honest about that and say that she wants full-on open borders and a dissolution of the current legal immigration system that america has that's the only honest position that she could have because otherwise she's just another person who's complaining about a system that is failing largely because democrats refuse to enforce the laws that are on the books and they keep saying it's inhumane. I just want to know, do, do you want to pay for every person from all over the world who wants to come to America in whatever numbers they want to come to America? Do you want to be responsible for their health care, for their education, for the massive expansion of the welfare state that we all know is going to happen, is already happening as a result of a huge influx of illegal immigrants into the country? Yes, illegal immigrants are more likely to need state assistance, more likely to show up in an emergency room demanding free health care, free health services. I mean, you know, there's just so much dishonesty around this uh, this issue, um, and it's awful. And then there's the other part of this, too, which is the so that there's the we're not humane enough because, you know, taking two million illegal immigrants into America this year, roughly, that's what the, the numbers are looking like. You know, that's. We're not nice enough as a people. A million legal immigrants, two million illegal immigrants. Why not 20? Ask AOC, ask a Democrat, why not just let anyone who wants to come into the country come into the country and they don't have an answer for you? They'll say something like, well, you know, we have a system and we have laws. No, but you don't want the laws to be enforced. You oppose at every stage, Democrats, those laws to actually be implemented. So that's just dishonest. You're just lying about what you really want here, which is what they do 
all the time. Yes, AOC calls him inhumane. And everyone's seeing that the Biden administration doesn't have any answers on immigration that it's willing to say out loud. And that Kamala Harris is just flailing on this trip. And everyone's seeing this is the person the Democrats really want to make the next president of the United States. Please. When you've lost CNN and you're Kamala Harris, you know things are going badly. This is a CNN piece. Unnamed White House insiders were left perplexed by the performance of Vice President Kamala Harris on her recent trip to Guatemala and uh, Mexico to address the root causes of immigration problems at the U.S. southern border. Uh, Early in the administration, Joe Biden assigned Harris the unenviable task. Oh, yes, because that's notice how they make it sound like it's not Harris's fault. It's an unenviable task of ostensibly overseeing the hot button political issue. Harris's team subsequently made clear her focus would be on the systemic issues at play, focusing on the northern triangle countries of Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador, from which a majority of border migrants uh, uh, come. Harris has been a lightning rod for criticism. Yeah, you, you don't say. OK, and, and, but anyway, just even the White House is like, my gosh, she's making a mess of this thing. But notice that there's a trend here. It's important you see this. The left has a has a ideological framework that applies to many issues. And in this case, what you're seeing is the systemic the systemic uh, causes component coming to the forefront all over again. Right. It's just like what you see with the law enforcement crisis across the country or the lack of law enforcement, because we're undermining cops, we're undermining our law enforcement officers. And so you have spiking murder rates instead of dealing with the problem directly. More cops on the streets, more prosecution of violent criminals, lock up violent criminals longer, back up our cops when they have to defend themselves and others instead of going right to it. They want to take some roundabout politically expedient route. Oh, let's hire more social workers. Let's let's defund the police which actually caused the problem. I mean, look at it. You can line these two issues up. You can line up the border and you can line up defund the police and the crime surge in this country. And you see a a tremendous commonality here. It's very obvious, right? How does it all start? Biden administration comes in. Biden administration comes in, gets rid of remain in Mexico, speaks very differently about the border, doesn't want to do interior enforcement. Everybody knows it's wide open. Okay, Biden administration in 2020 is supportive in the campaign of the BLM movement, then comes into office. All the focus is on the January 6th insurrection and not on the riots that occurred then and the violence that's occurring now because of the undermining of cops. So Biden's worldview, the Democrat Party, essentially, because Biden just does what his handlers say, is responsible for the creation of a problem. Right. Making something substantially worse. And then instead of addressing it in the obvious way in the border, securing the border, turning people away, deporting those immediately who do not show up for their hearings, deporting those immediately who are on the list to be deported. And turning away people that have false asylum claims that are obviously false raising the credible fear standard to a point where it actually means something. 
Instead of doing any of that, they want to deal with the the root cause of migration in Central America, which on a, in a best case is going to maybe help the problem a little bit in a number of years if they put a lot of resources and time into it. Doesn't that sound just like their approach to law enforcement and defund the police? Adding social workers, you've got shootings and murders spiking 50%, 60%, 70% in cities across the country year over year. And instead of saying, let's stop the bad guys from shooting people, let's put more cops on the street, let's back them up, let's deal with the problem, the Democrats want to deal with, oh, the root, the the systematic or systemic causes of this. That's what we have to do. Let's have more social workers. Let's have, you know, more uh, after school programs or what. Okay, I mean, maybe we could even say that some of those things are, are reasonable ideas over the long run, although I think the social workers instead of cops thing is just insane. But anyway, you know, because there already are social workers. And I got news for you. Social workers don't want to respond to a domestic violence call. They don't. Not without a cop there. You know, psychiatric personnel don't want to respond to an emotionally disturbed person call. Not without a cop there. But you see how they they do the same thing. The same fundamental fallacies apply. Democrats have a worldview that is wrong when it comes to cause and effect. That is wrong when it comes to history. That is wrong when it comes to who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. Who's breaking the law? Who's supporting the law? And this means that they're just making wrong choices over and over again on the border, on law enforcement, on any number of issues, right? And this is, you see what I mean, though? They cause the problem, then they won't address it directly because the indirect approach allows them to pander to their base and have this social justice-first approach to something that's really a law enforcement issue in both cases, the border and the murder rate spike in this country. And then when they really want to just push something that's nonsensical, they go they go back to the historical the historical framework for something. Okay, well, maybe we want to stop Central Americans from coming into America illegally by the hundreds of thousands a month. But it's really our fault. You see, it's our fault that people are leaving Central America, America's fault, your fault, my fault. Because of U.S. history in the region. You knew this was coming. Joy Ann Reed said over on MSNBC the following. You got to hear it. Play six. There are seven countries in Central America. There's another dozen countries and two uh, sort of territories uh, in South America. We're talking about 433 million people in South America, something like, what, 44 million people in Central America. The United States southern border with Mexico is not the only important issue that matters to the world. Those seven countries have a long history with the United States, much of it troubling. The United States used much of Central America as essentially a giant plantation. Google the United Fruit Company. We have a long, sordid, torrid history with this region. The history does not begin at the border where people are showing up. That is not the only important thing that matters. There is a whole history that long precedes people arriving at the border between Mexico and the United States. I'm glad that she has Google and could do a quick search of the United Fruit Company 
and the history of Central America before she went on air to pretend she knows something about these issues. But I will just say this. We want a secure border. I don't care what the U.S. was doing in Central America in the 1980s. I want a secure border. I don't care what the U.S. was doing uh, when it comes to agricultural policy a century ago. I want a secure border. We've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. Why not go to the border as well so that you do see the full complexity? Listen, I've been to the border before. I will go again. But when I'm in Guatemala (laughs) dealing with root causes, I think we should have a conversation about what's going on in Guatemala. So can you commit right now that you will indeed visit the U.S.-Mexico border and will you do it soon? Jeremy, let me tell you something. Yes, I will. And I have before. Yeah. She's really on top of the issue, folks. She really she really gets it. You know, what's funny, too, is that is that the Democrats, they they can't get on the same sheet of music about this because while some are pretending, you know, the, the Biden administration, because at the national level, they know that 51 percent of the American people are not down with an open border. They're not. And so they have to play this game. But those Democrats who get to be the the far lefties because they either have a congressional district or even a state that's so blue that people are absurd and don't understand cause and effect and don't know anything about what's really happening at the border. Uh, You got people like Bernie Sanders running around saying, you know, we should actually make it even easier for people to come into America illegally. Play eight. You said the wall is symbolic and it represents. So wouldn't it be proper to tear that symbol down in order to achieve that? It may be, but you know, it's how much is it going to cost to tear it down? Should you do that, tear it down? I don't know. Maybe the answer is yes. That's something, That's something you're willing to consider. You, yeah. You're willing you to consider look, tearing down existing you know, fencing between U.S. and between, between the U.S. And but again, if it's going to cost me billions of dollars to tear it down, I'd rather invest that maybe in the needs for child care in this country. But it's something, you know, we can look at. It's something we can look at. Why would you look at that? What possible purpose could there be in tearing down a section of border wall that to a man, to a person, Border Patrol will tell you walls, fences help make their job easier. I've never heard anybody in Border Patrol say anything different of all the people I've talked to in Border Patrol, in uh, in, you know, uh, customs and, and immigration enforcement. I, I've never heard anybody say anything different than that. Who's a actual employee and and civil servant of of those organizations. Maybe you'll hear political people say something different. So why would you tear down some of the wall? Well, because you're trying to placate the radical left-wing open borders base. That's why. That's the only reason why. There's no other reason that you could give. And, And if you're somebody who really believes that we shouldn't we shouldn't be able to have sovereignty. Why is America? I always want to ask these internationalist libs Marxists, uh, this question. Why is it that America is the only country in the world that that anybody wants to go to that is not allowed to determine who comes and who goes? Try, try to just show up sometime in a country that requires a visa for a U.S. entry and say, no, but I really want to be here. I, I think I have a better chance at a job here. I want to be here. Try to do that. Uh, you're going to be put on a plane sent back home and probably detained for 
many hours, maybe a day or two in uncomfortable conditions and told, you know, you're not coming in. That's what's going to happen. Are all those countries racist? Is it always racism that results in people not wanting an open border? Because the rest of the world is allowed to have borders. Somehow America is not allowed to have borders. Why is that? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? And as we all know, if it were about safety, there are plenty of places in Mexico where Central Americans would have much e- a much easier time linguistically and culturally and are perfectly safe. There are a lot of parts of Mexico, plenty of states in Mexico that people have low crime rates and it's not, a, you know, it, I know there are bad parts of Mexico too. There are bad parts of the U.S. I mean, you go, go check out what it's like these days in some parts of Baltimore, or the south side of Chicago, or there are parts of the U.S. with really high crime rates too. But this is not about what's true, folks. This is not about what's really going on. This is about feelings. You see, Democrats are always motivated by how they feel on these issues and, and how it makes them feel about themselves. That's the most important thing. That's why the virtue signaling impulse is so powerful among the libs. That's why they believe so strongly in all of this. AOC is among the... I mean, she's really... It's like, it's like idiot leftists who just graduated college created... A uh, a pseudo Marxist member of Congress in a, in like, you know, on a computer and then built one, you know, like, 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 like they, they created the perfect distillation of faculty lounge left wing idiocy and made it made an actual person based upon those upon those parameters. You'd get AOC and here she is telling everybody because, again, part of this is there, there's a liberal guilt like we have to take in as many people from the third world as possible into America illegally. We're already we already take in refugees. We already take in a million legal immigrants. We have to just make it so that whoever wants to show up and can get here on foot can come into the country because we owe it to them. We, the American people, owe it to them. And remember, you know, your tax dollars will go to support these individuals and those taxes are taken from you by force by the state and that AOC and the rest of the Democrats ultimately will support men with guns showing up to your home to drag you away and lock you in a cell if you refuse to pay those taxes to support the massive welfare state and the monetary policies necessary for the Biden administration to do what it wants with the incredible spending increases that we're seeing. Uh, so you're not given a choice in any of this. And they will support men with with guns locking you up if because the law is the law. Right. The law is the law, say the authoritarian Democrats until they don't like the law. And then, you know, when it's immigration time, come on, laws don't count. And we say that's hypocritical. And they say, exactly. This is about power. We don't care that it's hypocritical. Don't you see that? It doesn't sting them. It doesn't upset them. They don't have any principles. So telling them they're unprincipled has no effect. So that's how you get where we are right now. And it's also why there's so much virtue signaling among the left when it comes to the immigration issue. AOC citing how we owe it to these these migrants crossing into America illegally because America's done so much bad climate change stuff that the climate change has made it bad in Central America 
And so that's why they're fleeing. So it's really our fault. Play 10. This is also climate policy that is impacting the global south disproportionately, even though these farmers and these folks in Central and South America contributed to climate change the least in terms of their carbon emissions. They are experiencing the ravages the most right now and first. And so U.S. climate policy has contributed to this. U.S. foreign policy, U.S. economic and trade policy has helped contribute to conditions um, that that people are fleeing just not true. I mean, and when I say it's not true, it's it's absurd. Central America is getting the worst of the climate change brunch right now. Really? This is this is an argument that a person is making who expects to be treated like she knows anything and has and has even a, a baseline of necessary intelligence to wax philosophical on these issues. Really? Apparently. Yeah, it's our climate policy that's making people leave from Central America. I just want to know. Was it our climate policy uh, that was making things so rough in Central America in the 1980s? Oh, no, that would be our foreign policy. Somehow it's always our fault, right? And it's not the, the communists. It's not the Sandinistas' fault what happened in the 1980s. It's not the Soviet Union's fault. No, no, it's all our fault. It's, it's amazing how this, sell, this constant desire um, for, uh, for self-purification through showy victimhood. Oh, we were so bad. Look what America did. I'm not one of those bad people, though. Is central to the Democrat ethos. It's just pathetic after a while, isn't it? The amount of impact you and I have had on Central America's climate is zero. I don't want to hear about it. It's absurd. This is crazy person talk what AOC is talking about, though. Yes, we have to look at root causes, but there is a crisis at the border right now, today, and you have to address that today while you look at the root causes down the road. I think also part of leading is optics and, and showing that and showing uh, w- w- what you care about and what your goals are and going to the border would have made a big difference. This has been a discussion for weeks. I'm not sure why it hasn't happened. It's a lot easier said than done, but perhaps should have been a priority. <laughs> per, per, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, when you've lost Mika, when, when people who will say anything on TV, as long as NBC Universal keeps sending those big paychecks to them, uh, when, when you have got somebody who will say anything on TV and knows that her job is to just constantly pump up and, and praise Biden, Harris, all of them, and she's saying, yeah, maybe it, sh- maybe it should have been a priority. I also think it's funny, too. Easier said than done. No, it's actually really easy as the vice president. This is U.S. soil. If, if everybody was saying, if there was a huge crisis, you know, in, uh, in Topeka, Kansas, we're all worried about Topeka. Uh, don't you think that the vice president would be expected to go there? No, we're not even asking her to go to a foreign country. When we say the border, it just means go down to a part of America that is close to another country. This is not hard. So I think it's funny. She goes, oh, it's easier said than done. No, it's actually easier done than said for Kamala Harris. You just go. Just go. It's not not challenging at all. But uh, I'm sorry. I just. Oh, my gosh. It's so pathetic. This administration is such a joke. Such a joke. You know, there, there were things about the Trump administration 
uh, stylistically and in terms of per- you know that my big beef and I don't want to be a broken record on this. My big beef was a lot of the personnel decisions um, and notably the my kids are going to be my top advisors decision. That was a huge mistake from the very beginning. Totally wrong. Totally gross. And people just didn't want to say I, I said it on this show and I got a lot of heat for it from folks. But I was right. And, you know, I was right. And if you think I'm if you think I wasn't right, go ask anybody who worked in this White House what it meant to have Jared Kushner have full determination on who got access to the president of the United States and who did not. A liberal, folks, a liberal. Would you, would you want Joe Biden or Kamala Harris to basically be the de facto chief of staff under the Biden under a Trump administration? No. So I was telling the truth and I wanted to do something about it, but. So much easier for people in the media to just run around, MAGA, yeah, you know, uh, conservative media. No one, no one, everybody wanted to cheer for the good stuff. Nobody wanted to be the coach at halftime that said, I want this team to win. Therefore, here's what Trump needs to do. People didn't want to hear it. And we lost this last election. Oh, you can tell me, oh, Buck, you know, they cheated or they. Who's the president now? Right. I, I still focus in on results. First and foremost, we deal with reality, friends. We're not liberals. We don't create an alternate universe. We deal with reality. Joe Biden is the president. There were things that could have been done differently that would have changed that, including fighting against the way that the uh, the Democrats were cha- were changing elections, using the pandemic as an excuse to change elections um, in in the actual height of the election season, but. There were aspects of the Trump administration that, as you know, I I felt the need to sometimes criticize. Overall, I think the agenda was very powerful, and I think that's what we're going to return to, hopefully, with a, I believe, a DeSantis 2024 run with Trump's backing. And that's that's a winning a winning ticket, I believe. But we knew with Trump that there were some aspects of this that we're going to be, you know, it's going to be. A little bit of a show, you know, it's going to be a little rough around the edges. Sometimes it was also going to be very amusing. And it was. And the way that he took it to the media was incredible. And finally, people really understand that journalism is a fraud in this country as a profession. It doesn't really exist. There are some people who can do journalism, but it's not it's not a profession anymore. It does not. If you believe that journalism is people actually speaking without political impetus and and uh, pushing agendas. But what's funny to me is that this Biden administration Given what we were promised and now what we're seeing, it's pretty hilarious, isn't it? They didn't say, yeah, Biden's going to be too old and we're not really going to hear that much from him. But, you know, it, it's it's going to be uh, he's going to be a, um, a guy that relies on the advisor. No, we were told that Biden and Harris were going to do a great job. Biden and Harris were going to restore our democracy, our faith in government. They're going to get all these amazing things done. They're going to do all this great stuff. Like what? I mean, the people that are saying, look at the vaccines. Uh, Yeah. The Operation Warp Speed of the Trump administration got a record time vaccine program done. And then the Biden administration inherited a vaccine distribution plan and just played out the plan. Yeah, I'm sure they made some adjustments. Anybody would have. But that's it. I mean, this is like uh, saying, oh, Biden, you know, funded the military. Yeah, okay. We kind of expect that. You know, what's the what's the difficult decision that's been made here? What is the choice that the that Biden Harris 
has made that has resulted in a better America for a vast majority of the people who live here. They don't have it. They don't have it. Even even uh, you're starting to hear that the Democrats are getting frustrated because they can't get what they want. Here's here's a little Chuck Schumer talking about the GOP and negotiations over a infrastructure bill. Play 11. Well, look, we have we're proposing uh, we're pursuing a two path proposal. On the one hand, there's bipartisan uh, negotiations, and those are continuing. The first were between President Biden and uh, Senator Capito with just Republicans. Those seem to be running into a brick wall. But a bipartisan group uh, led by Senator Sinema, uh, and I think Senator Portman is the lead Republican, uh, are trying to put something together that might be closer to what the president needs. And so we're, we're, that's good. But that's not going to be the only answer. We all know as a caucus we will not be able to do all the things that the country needs in a totally bipartisan, in a bipartisan way. And so at the same time, we are pursuing um, the, the uh, pursuit of reconciliation. And that is going on at the same time. And it may well be that part of the bill that will pass will be bipartisan and part of it will be through reconciliation. Um, but we're not going to sacrifice the bigness and boldness uh, in this bill. We will just pursue two paths and at some point they will join. Get ready for the partisan steamroller, friends. Whatever they can do, even if they have to abuse the process to use the process, the Democrats will. Fellow New Yorkers, it's time to move on to unmask ourselves and our kids. That is the piece in the New York Post opinion section from our friend Carol Markowitz, who has been a warrior for the truth during this pandemic the whole time. Carol, great to have you as always. Thank you, Buck. Thanks for having me. I, I got to tell you, um, th- the people that are still walking around with masks on this, this is now and I mean this, it's an anxiety disorder. Yeah, this is a mental this is now mental illness. And I know they don't want to believe that because they believe the science and they believe the science the whole time. (laughs) But no, no, no. And those of us who were saying all along that anyone who's vaccinated really should have no concern about whether someone else is vaccinated or not. We Mm -hmm. never should have like let this get conceded to the other side as an argument because it's absurd. And, and, And now there's all these problems. I mean, Carol, just give us a sense of some of the. Where are some of the places where, I mean, this is true in New York, but it's true in Los Angeles. It's true in a lot of cities across the country. There are these, like, remnants of Fauciism. What's still out there? Yeah. So, you know, people say to me all the time, like, why do you care about other people masking? Why do do I care that, you know, 80% of my neighborhood still walking around outside post-vax in masks? Well, the reason I care is because it continues to affect me. Last weekend, I took my middle son to a roller skating birthday party in Prospect Park, and the rules make no sense. To pick up your skates, you need to wear a mask. To put on your skates, you can take off your mask. But when you're skating in the spacious rink with very few people in it, you need to put the mask back on. And we got told twice by the security guard to adjust our mask, even though his own mask was below his nose because it was 93 degrees outside. And then the kicker of all this is when it's time to to have food and cake, it's a really tight area where there's like five birthday parties going on and everybody's on top of each other and we're all eating and blowing out candles and singing happy birthday. And literally, if you 
you know, had to design where masking would ever make sense. It would be in that area. But obviously post-vax and, you know, in June 2021, we shouldn't be masking anywhere. But if anywhere, it would be there. And there you don't have to mask. So none of it makes any sense. It's completely mind-boggling. And so I care. I care that so many people are still masking because it affects me. We still have these rules because all these people are still masking. Yeah, there's these these remnants, you know, in in my building, for example, where I, where I am in, in New York City, for everybody listening, there, I mean, I live in a building, there are hundreds and hundreds of residents. So just to give you, it's, it's a very large building with a ton of people coming in and out all the time. And I've basically started the mask insurrection. Um, I, yeah, I will not tell everybody, yes, I'm the one who has pulled down the mask signs in the gym. I'm the one who never wears a mask in the gym. And now others are finally joining along they come in they right. see me because they don't want to wear masks no one wants to wear masks when they work out and these yes. are some of these guys i mean they're actually like and girls they're like really good shape and they're like mm-hmm. 25 or 30 and i'm sure they're vaccinated the, the idea that they should be on the treadmill like heaving into this cloth over their <laughs> mouth is completely insane and that right. anyone demands this of other people is insane and they still do it in a lot of places. In my in my lobby, they have a big masks required indoors. Now, I don't comply, but there's right. this weird tension because the people that still think this stuff needs to be happening, uh, they, they don't want to be told that they're silly and kind of dumb. They want to yeah. still live in this fantasy land that they're the normal ones. And by the way, right. airplanes still require it, cabs. Ubers, any Uber anywhere in the country. If you're listening to this in, in, in Nebraska right now, if you're listening to this wherever you are, Uber still requires you to mask up. Why? Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. And especially, like, you know, in situations like airplanes again. Yeah, we all wear our masks, you know, sitting an inch apart on airplanes. And then we all take off our masks to eat and drink because that somehow makes sense. Uh, and then put the masks right back on because, you know, the, the, the aerosols we just we just spit all over the place aren't going to affect each other. Um, it, none of it makes sense. None of it's made sense for a long time. And I have to say that, like, in the winter and in the fall and last spring, I made my kids mask outside because I didn't want to get yelled at by anybody. I didn't, I didn't want to get into altercation on the street while I'm with my children. But now I'm like, bring it, bring it on. Let, let's, let's have a fight in June 2021 about masking on the street because I'm not having it anymore. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, I'm starting to get to the point now where, you know, my, my local grocery store, cause I like, you know, the, I like, you know, fancy, uh, coconut do, waters right? and things like that you know <laughs> so i go into a grocery store uh, there's two that I, but 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 they both actually those kind of more standard grocery store and the more sort of health food you know mm-hmm. vegan friendly alternative grocery store i go to they both require masks and i mean right. i don't want to see the, the, what, what i think is so unfair is that the, the way that they always move around the discussion so you can never get accountability like if i go in there without a mask on and and somebody tells me and i cause a problem you you know that i'll be dragged if i like bring this to social media by people saying it's not the fault of the employees i'm like well whose fault is it like you know show show me the person (laughs) making the decision (laughs) right yeah and i think a lot of it has to be um this kind of you know just just taking the mask 
off and waiting for somebody to say something to you because that's the only way we really get out of this. I think so many people, yeah, you know, we started this conversation with how many people are just have anxiety about removing their masks and how many people are afraid. But I also think there's some large subset of people who are just following the crowd and they don't want to stick out and they don't want to have an argument. They don't want anybody to say, hey, why aren't you wearing your mask? And so they're wearing it. So those of us who are open to having the conversation and open to having the argument, we should lead the way on this. Speaking to Carol Markowitz, she's got a great piece in the New York Post, the editorial page in the New York Post, and she talks about what it was like taking her son to a a party outside, roller skating, and uh, and sure enough, you have to wear a mask. Or in the rink, you have to wear a mask, which, yeah. is, mm-hmm. which is completely <laughs> bonkers. But, you know, Carol, I, you know, I, I have to say that as, as far as I'm concerned, there needs to be a repudiation of Fauciism. And mm-hmm. this is what yeah. this is why because I've had people say, oh, you, you're too upset about this or something. I said, I'm like, I don't think I'm upset enough, actually, because right. we're, while, while right. the reductions are happening and people who live in Florida are like, oh, great. Um, I was just in Miami. There are still plenty of places that do the whole, the, you know, the mask theater of you got to mm-hmm, wear it when mm-hmm. you go to the hostess stand in the restaurant. Right. But then you can take like there. It, it, it is not a mask free zone. People are, are yes. wrong when they say that it is actually right. still. And, and we it, we have to repudiate that this there are a few things. It did not work. And this is still considered a controversial thing to say. But mask mandates, mask policies did not work Failed. anywhere near as advertised. That's one part right. of this. And and the second part of this is that, you know, they, they've just begin to, begun to see, and we've talked about before, natural immunity and how this doesn't really ever get discussed. The Cleveland Clinic, not rightwingcrazydoc.com, the Cleveland Clinic just did a, a study <laughs> of over 50,000 people. And sure enough, those who are vaccinated, natu- are vaccinated versus those who are, have natural immunity, same level of protection for them. What a shock. Yeah. And you know, this is another fight we need to have. It's not over. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have so my column in today's New York Post is about New Yorkers, please take off your masks. But I had another one two days ago on Monday where I talked about how we must confront where Fauci went wrong. He has to answer questions. We lived under his insane guidance for 15 months and we did really crazy things over and over again. And we need him to answer questions. And yet we have this media who is asking him like, wow, how are you so amazing? And that's, you know, that's what we get from our press. But we really need some answers. And one of the things I need answered from him is he did not think that the masks could contain the virus because the virus was too small. And he was talking about medical masks at the time. And then we all moved collectively to cloth masks. So did the virus grow? Is it, was that how the cloth masks were able to contain it according to his, you know, calculations? I want to hear it from him. I don't want to hear it from amateur, you know, doctors on Twitter. I want Dr. Fauci to answer what changed his mind on masks specifically. It's a it's just it's, it's something that there will be so much of a of a fight over because it, it did become a cultural and political symbol, as we all now know, yeah. it did become mm-hmm. a sign of Democrat tribal allegiance and anti Trumpism and all these things. Right. And when you add all that together that I mean, it, it is my it is my belief that mask wearing as people did it in this country which is, you know, put a cloth mask on, take it off, sometimes yes, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. no, whatever, yeah. uh, touching all the time, had zero Point. appreciable effect yeah. whatsoever on the spread of COVID. That is my honest belief, and it has been 
really all along, although I was open in the beginning to, okay, maybe, like maybe this will actually really work right. the way we're told. And and if we let this go, for everybody who's like, Buck, why are you still on this? Yes. You're going to be wearing masks on planes for the next two or three years minimum, folks. At least, yeah. yeah. Be- because they Absolutely. must have places where it still goes on to, to perpetuate this fantasy that what they did was worthwhile. Right. Uh, absolutely right. And I think that, you know, I, I don't understand the wanting to not talk about this anymore. Like, or just saying like, okay, it's over. Forget it. Like, I can't forget it. I can't forget the fact that my five-year-old today is still in school masked. My kid, you know, I have three kids, 11, eight, and five. They're all masked in school. They're all masked at recess. And it's crazy. And we continue to do this. And I have no faith that we won't continue to do this in the fall. Where do you think, where do you think we should, uh, we should draw the line on on restaurants here, Carol, because there are some places that yeah. there are some places that are doing this separate on the honor system right. based on vaccine passports. But yeah. they're actually not legally allowed to demand, but they're kind of like intimidating people into self-segregating by vax status in restaurants here in New York. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just telling everybody. I may end up causing a scene somewhere like I might be some like right wing talk radio host goes viral because I'm going to lose my mind on these people. And I'm going to say who's in charge. I want the manager. Like I want the owner. I want to know who's actually making this decision. Right. Right. It's also amazing. Um, Ala Pundit on, on Twitter pointed this out, but they're putting all the unvaccinated people together in one space in a lot of places. Like here's the vaccinated area and here's the unvaccinated area. And all the unvaccinated people are sitting together, which is riskier than just spreading them around um yeah i don't know and i i don't i also don't know how they're going to enforce this or how they're going to what about people who can't get the vaccine or you know um just for all kinds of medical reasons are they just never going to be allowed to go to restaurants again um what about the fact that this is like the most easily forged piece of like paper in the world this vaccine card that they gave us with our you know the name of the the vaccine on it is it's it's ridiculously easy to forge i just i have no faith in this like insane system and i think we need to drop it as soon as possible carol markowitz everybody go check out her latest in the new york post she's been one of the very there's been like a handful of us carol and i gotta say and i i give you real real props a real high five on this because the pressure to to even just bend the knee a little bit on this stuff well yeah masks aren't that big a deal <laughs> even if i don't like right. them you know, and, 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 you know, oh, well, do kids really need to be in school? Zoom school's just as good. There were so many places, and, yeah. and you held the line. You stayed strong on it, so you deserve you, a, lot, you a lot too. of praise for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much.